And this Go. ball in the air, deep right center Go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, he'll watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome in to the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Remember to use that promo code DNVR20 because when you do that, well, you get 20% off your entire purchase of that CBD infused, deliciously rich and potentially life altering Strava Craft Coffee. I'm your host, Drew Creaseman. I'm the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. With me, as always, is beat writer Patrick Lyons. And on this episode, we continue Hall of Fame week here at DNVR Rockies, getting into a conversation about some of the people in and around your ball club who you may not necessarily have thought about as Hall of Famers, or you may not necessarily thought about as Rockies Hall of Famers, but have a bit more of a case. We're going to spend most of that conversation around one of everybody's favorite all-time ball players, the big cat, Andres Galarraga. We're going to do a little deeper dive, talk about him. I'm very much looking forward to that conversation. But before we get there, Patrick, a couple of things going on out there in the baseball world today. Uh, normally, I, I, I don't comment on these types of things, but in the dearth of off-season news, uh, I think... Uh, ESPN's Jesse Rogers reporting that the Rockies are interested in Mitch Moreland is at the very least a hint, a nugget of something that we didn't necessarily know before at the very least that they're looking for a bat. You and I talked last week about, uh, you know, we actually ran through about 10 names of guys who are similar to Mitch Moreland, but not Mitch Moreland specifically. Uh, I don't, and, and why, why don't you jump in there? Why not, and I'll get into maybe some of the reasons why that was, but what is your initial reaction to this Mitch Moreland rumor. It's a player who's of major league caliber. That's pretty much my, my only thoughts. Uh, exactly. I think he's within their, their price range. Again, it's hard to know exactly what the Rockies are going to do this off season from a financial aspect. The same can be said, I think for all 30 teams in many ways, uh, we've gotten some inkling that they do want to cut payroll, but it might just be cut payroll, from what it was last year. So that doesn't mean we're not going to see any more major league additions. It just means it's probably not going to, you know, uh, put the money back into the club that was spent to, to pay off, you know, Jake McGee, Brian Shaw, Wade Davis, all of those guys, even Daniel Murphy, you're maybe you take a fraction of that. I think, I think a fraction of that will go back uh, onto the, you know, the 40 man roster, 26 man roster of active players, um, but not necessarily all that. So I, I think Mitch Marlin will be at a good price. I don't think they need another left-handed bat. Um, that would be my, my biggest issue. He's, he's going to do his age 35 year. Um, but again, uh, all you need him is, is to do a job where he's essentially, you know, platooning with, with a Josh Fuentes, which maybe this is an indicator that the Rockies really are convinced that, hey, Josh Fuentes is going to be the first baseman when when lefties are on the hill and when there's righties, you plug Mitch Marlin in there. Yeah, I think that's one of the best sells, I think, for the idea is that for sure. I think it makes for a very natural platoon with Josh Fuentes. Moreland crushes righties. Uh, now, it, it is weird to have the older player be the strong side of your platoon, but that's just <laughs> what they happen to have in terms of their, that's how they hit. Um Moreland does have a pretty interesting batter profile. I've actually really liked him as a, a hitter over his career. Uh, he's got a career 102 OPS plus. So again, right in where we were talking about before, what you kind of need for the Rockies is one more guy to give you that OPS plus over that. Now, the last couple of years, he's actually been quite a bit better than that. Uh, he's really had the power stroke going. He's basically been uh, 24 home run a year, 81 RBI a year pace type of guy, including that's kind of what he was on for this last shortened season where he hit 10 bombs in 60 games. And 
you know, yeah, I, I don't think that you're especially excited about him. You know, we talked about guys like CJ Crone, somebody I would be much more uh, excited about. Um, while the innocent, I took a look at, at his defensive numbers, whatever those mean, and we all know they can be a little wonky, but they've been consistent. He does have a gold glove in his career. Uh, he's been, I would categorize as solid defensively over his career, and I, and I think that's about where he's at. He's certainly not costing you, and he's played first base his entire career. So it's not like the uh, Ian Desmond or Daniel Murphy situation where you've already got a guy who's maybe got some questionable defensive things and you're putting him at a position he's never played. Um, so I'm with you, Patrick. I, de- I don't love the left-handed part of it. We looked pr- primarily at right-handed bats because it fits better. Um, but I do think if this is the guy who's answering the phone and willing to take that deal that, that you're willing to give him, Adding Mitch Moreland for a year and $3 million to come in and play first and bat fifth and take some pressure off of Brendan Rodgers and maybe ultimately end up in a platoon with Fuentes because he's not really blocking him, it's better than doing nothing in my estimation, right? So you can say, oh, oh yeah, they should definitely go get so-and-so. And we, we, we did, did a podcast. We could name around 10 guys that we would like as much. Um you know, a Mark Reynolds comp is, is maybe an interesting one, you know, but I, I do think that ultimately, yeah, adding him is better than adding nothing, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, right now, if you were to, you know, come up with an opening day roster, I mean, if it's a 26-man roster, you know, maybe uh, Jose Briseño is your, your final guy off the bench, right? If you're carrying, you know, three catchers, well, now you say, okay, we'll carry two catchers, pretty normal. And now you know, you get a, a veteran hitter like Mitch Moore like this. So that's, that's a pretty quality upgrade, no doubt about it. And, you know, it also adds a, a nice, you know, veteran presence within the clubhouse too, you know, a guy who's been around for, for many, many a year. And, you know, the one thing that I would, I would love to see Colorado do if, if they get put in this kind of position is, if, if they're out of the hunt, you can turn around and flip Mitch Moreland. I mean, that's what sure. Boston did last year where they signed totally. him to, you know, $2.6 million deal and wasn't working. They picked up two nice little prospects from the Padres. Yeah, the Rockies are going to do that more so with Mitch Moreland types than those non-roster guys. Like last year where we saw Chris Owings, who was fantastic on the field. And you might not get as much for him because you didn't spend a lot to begin with. But whereas with Mitch Moreland, you absolutely could – turn around and flip it. So it's, it would definitely be an upgrade. No two ways about it. And whether you're setting up to do that or just because you, you want him to produce for you, there's a couple mm-hmm. of things that I really like about his profile. In addition, now he's for his career struck out about 21% of the time, which is actually pretty solid for a guy who's a big power bat to be under that, that 25 mark. Uh, he puts the ball in play quite a bit on his uh, stat cast page on baseball savant. Still barreling the ball, 91 percentile, slugging in the 77, uh, 75th percentile, the K percentage in the 57th percentile, walk percentage in the 61st percentile. These are all from just this last year, if you want to go back to, uh, I don't know why they don't have his numbers for 2019. It's weird. So back to 2018, he was 84th percentile, exit velocity, 85 in hard hit rate, 84 in expected slugging. He was an all-star. Percentage. Yeah. Uh, 88th and barrel percentage. And that's the one that I've noticed going back to 17, 89 percentile in barrel percentage back in 2016, 78. He's always been and then this last year in 2021, 91. He gets the barrel to the ball very, very consistently. And so I do think it could actually finally be a case of a guy who you bring to Coors Field and the raw stats really do go up right away because he's a gap-to-gap hitter who hits the ball hard and with power, but not necessarily over the wall at an elite rate. I think his slugging percentage goes up because he's, he's the other thing you see on the baseball savant where it's like fourth percentile and everything sprint speed. He's, he, he is slow, slow man. Uh, so, you know, he's not legging out any doubles or triples for you, but the bigger gaps, the more space for the ball to land out there without him striking out. If he can translate the profile the numbers pop and then either you've got yourself a solid number five hitter to protect nolan arenado and we talked about how important that is and they don't really have that unless rymac takes a big jump forward or you've got a nice bat you can swap at the deadline and yeah i i you know i think there's a lot of potential to like here about an acquisition like this actually there's an old baseball adage that that goes 
there's no such thing as a bad one-year contract. And if you're spending $3 million, shoot, even if you, you got to go up to as high as, as $5 million because, you know, Moreland was pretty good uh, the first half of the season with Boston, which, yeah, that was only a month. But still, his agent could uh, do do well enough by him where could could talk up that price just a little bit. And, I mean, we saw John Lester get essentially $5 million from the Washington Nationals. Like, that's right nothing. So. Yeah. So a guy like Mitch Moreland, you you take a look at what it's going to take to sign him, and you got to be really happy. And and then this is this is where you know the Rockies can make those small little incremental moves that over time, um, and they don't have much time. Again, we're we're talking about we're talking until July, but still in in that four month period of time, enough of these small incremental moves, even just uh, thickening up the the depth in the organization and the minors with these non roster invites. You know, you can catch lightning in a bottle and make something happen. Yeah, and I, I think the biggest thing of this actually is a rumor with the Rockies being attached to an <laughs> offensive player that suggests because his I actually wouldn't be surprised if there was a similar pitcher in this area, right? A three or four million dollar, three to five million right. dollar pitcher because Jeff Breidich has been laser focused on the pitching, and I've given him credit for that. Even when when people are, you know, not even looking at that stuff. And I totally get it because they, they haven't been blockbuster deals and we've talked about it, but this, this did pop my eyes open a little bit to go, Oh, okay. They're open to the idea of adding a bat. And I think that's important. And I think that that's, you know, whether it's him or any of the other guys we talked about, I would feel much, much better about the offense. If they just grabbed one of these dudes, just, uh, I'm not, particularly in love with any of them. Like I really like CJ Crone, um, <laughs> but whatever, just, or Adam Duvall, if you want to go with an outfielder and, and you feel more confident with, you don't want to block Rogers or whatever. I saw some talk in our, in our chat, in the discord about this rumor about, Oh no, if you do that now you got to trade Rogers, Hampson or Fuentes. Like, no, 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 no. That's the nice thing about signing a 35 year old who is, yeah, past his prime a little bit, but still absolutely producing these last couple of years. And you go, you don't have to play him every single day uh, and he's not blocking anybody long-term and in the short term, you need depth. Like that's one of the things I think that in baseball more than anyone, people go, Oh, well, if this guy's not going to start, you have to trade him. Like, no, he's going to start. We just don't know exactly when and at what position and cause someone's going to get hurt. And now Garrett Hampson's a starter. We saw with Daniel Murphy last year, he kind of disappeared, you know, in the final right. few weeks of the season because you go, well, you're not really going to be a part of the future of this team. So let's, Give it, give some of that playing time to a younger guy, and that's where we saw Josh Fuentes kind of, you know, excel in in that role. So, yeah, it's it, it would absolutely be a thumbs up acquisition to sign Mitch Marlin. Yeah. So we will toast our Breck Brews on this day to Mitch Moreland, I guess. No, really, we're we're gonna toast him to the next guy we're gonna talk about. But uh, I I could try to sneakily toast the Breck Brew to. Jeff Breidich and company, they'll get a toast if they make a move. That's, you know what, I will toast the breakfast. You don't get a toast for being in, a, in an ESPN rumor. Let's, let's calm down a little bit. But you got to love your Breck brew, whether you're having the Hot Peak IPA because you're a hardcore IPA drinker like me. You like to sip on the lager, maybe the Avalanche Amber, a nice anytime, any season drinking beer. Maybe you like something a little more special, a little more flavorful. You want to get that Palisade peach or a vanilla porter for dessert, man. They got everything. They got all kinds of, we actually just picked up something. They got something called resolution, which is like a blueberry thing. And normally I'm like, get mm. blueberry stuff away Ooh. from my beer. Uh, and it is <laughs> remarkably refreshing. Katie, Katie brought it home. I was like, what is that? What are you doing? Breck did what? They made a what now, but it's, I don't know how they do it. They, they just make damn good beer. So make sure you pick it up at a liquor store or a King Supers near you. You can come on down to the DNVR bar for one of our watch parties. Make sure you RSVP. We're keeping at a safe social distance here, uh, but also trying to enjoy. Abs are back on TV tonight, only if you're at a bar or somewhere you have the right thing. Ugh, that's so frustrating. But I will be enjoying a little bit of hockey later on and drinking some Breck brews. And still toasting to the big cat, the Colorado Rockies' first great first baseman and uh, a member of the Blake Street Bombers. What else? How many other titles does he have? Uh, I, great smile. Mr. Venezuela? I don't know. He, he yeah, seems like a guy that yeah. in, a, in another, another realm, he could have been a bodybuilder and just he'd have been totally Mr. Venezuela. <laughs> 
I, I could see that being the case. Yes, Andres Galarraga is is a player that, you know, he's he's on the cusp of being a Hall of Famer. I don't think he is, but I see a, a scenario in which someday he he may well get into the Hall of Fame. A scenario that might take another fifty years. So fortunately, might be after his passing, but those kind of things happen in the Baseball Hall of Fame where things get re-examined after a period of time and people go back and relook, sort things out, and they go, wait a minute, how the heck did this guy, how was is, how is this guy not a superstar? Think about it now, how we go back and look at how much we value on base percentage. Whereas before, we talked about this yesterday in our you know, active players that are going to be future Hall of Famers draft with Michaela, and Joey Votto is a player that I think a lot of fans might go, what, Hall of Famer? Well, look at the numbers, and it actually, you know, it plays that out. Like, he's he's a Hall of Famer by a lot of metrics. But that's because you don't see him always maybe swinging the bat to drive in those runs with a, with a guy on second base because he's just not going to expand his strike zone. And there were players who did that a long time ago, and it was like, well, we don't need you to get a walk. We need you to put the ball in play, make something happen. Let the guy from second base move up two bases. But if you walk with, a, with nobody on first base – well, now it's just runners on first and second. And that guy on second base that could be scoring a run, he's still he's he's still 180 feet from scoring a run. So you really didn't help the situation in any way. <laughs> right. And so I, I think there's a way that you could see Andres Galarraga doing that. And, you know, just, just to look, think of his numbers in this way. He, he played for 19 years, you know, came, came back for some serious uh, illnesses uh, numerous times. But just – was just shy of 400 career home runs, 399, 1,400 RBI, and a career 288 hitter. His last two seasons, at age 42 and 43, he batted over 300. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty damn impressive. Again, it, it, man, if he could have hit one more home run, he might have had uh, also gotten over, obviously, the mark you just said, but then he's at 499 career slugging. So he could have gotten to maybe 500 career slugging. But yeah, career OPS plus of 119. Uh, and and that, again, as we know, you know, the, these stats, you know, they're, they can be pretty harsh on current Rockies players in terms of adjusting for Coors Field. Who knows, you know, the before the humidor, and I've done much more research because it's far more pertinent to all of us because, well, there is a humidor now and they're not, we're not going back to the days where there wasn't. So I haven't done as much research on how advanced stats work at, uh, and, and what the road numbers were like for the Rockies back then and how much they might be off by. You know, I know for Todd Helton's career, and this is something we'll talk about later, he was losing about three to five points of OPS plus or WRC plus a year, which on the conservative side means you're really bumping him up over his career double digits. Now, I don't know that you could apply that same logic necessarily to Andres Galarraga, but that's one of the things where Patrick is talking about where, why? So if you're wondering like why in 50 years, Galarraga is not playing any more games, you guys, how is he going to have a better case in 50 more years? I think it may be with deeper understanding of things like that. Like where we go, Oh, we thought his OPS plus was 119, but now in the year 2037, we finally invent, invented the metric that allows us to totally and accurately account for Coors Field. And it turns out he was a 129. And that, you know, and that might bump his war up X amount and that gets him that much closer. And people are going, if for no other reason than he was so much better than we realized. I actually think where that'll happen the most for him, Patrick, as I look at these numbers, is defense with his career 31 war, but it all coming from, at least on baseball reference, 33.9 OWAR minus 14.9 DWAR. And that doesn't track with, and again, people could just be wrong. They could be overvaluing their eye test. They, uh, you know, a lot of the best mathematicians out there today, I just had an exchange with Dan Zimborski where he said, you know, there really just isn't a big enough difference between great defender and a terrible defender at first base or, or actually he said that's basically the only difference worth measuring that there's no difference between pretty good and really you either, if you're elite you might be worth a win or two over the course of a year over a guy who's just terrible I don't know that I believe that I I feel like we have more to learn there but 
I'll be interested to see if that, because Mark Knudsen came on this show and said, best defensive first baseman I ever saw. Oh, that might be an oversell, but that doesn't track with, with these numbers. Yeah, when, when you take a, uh, and, and here's where we can kind of dive into the numbers and the players from his era, right? Because, you know, Galarraga doesn't have the same swagger of some of those other guys that, that played um, from, from the same time frame. So I sorted it out from 1986, essentially his first full season. So I took out his couple home runs he had in 1985. Uh, but from 86 to 2004, he is eighth in RBI from players during that time span. Eighth. Everybody is in the Hall of Fame in front of him except the top four guys. Well, Sammy, Sammy Sosa, oh. Rafael Palmero, Barry Bonds, and Fred McGriff. So Fred McGriff is the guy where once he gets in, and I, I, I'm a firm believer that Fred McGriff will eventually you know, make the Hall of Fame. Once he gets in, that will now kind of open the door for a different group of guys. Let me, let me throw a couple names at you, Drew. You tell me what you feel about these guys as far as Why them being – Fred McGriff not in the – He's not in the Hall of Fame. So I'm, I'm going to give you some names, and you tell me, does this group sound like – you know, they're, they're in the same general class. Are they like borderline hall of famers? Mm. Are they, you know, close, but definitely not. So here are the names, Fred McGriff, Jose Canseco, Carlos Delgado, Jason Giambi, Paul Canerco, and Juan Gonzalez. What do you think about that? All sound like on the cusp of, of hall of fame players. So who were the first couple of names? Fred McGriff, Jose Canseco, Carlos Delgado, Jason okay, so Giambi, Paul with, and the, with the Igor. steroid thing aside, but still, those first three names feel like Hall of Fame resumes, right? Canseco, big sure. gigantic asterisks, right? How you feel about that, you feel about that. But Fred McGriff and uh, the third one, I'm blanking already. <laughs> Carlos Delgado, those, those, are all, those are Hall of Famers, right? Now, I just pulled up, just because you said his name, Fred McGriff's got 56 career war out here of oh, 52 okay uh 134 career ops plus and so the one thing you'll find on fred mcgriff's page that you'll find the same thing on those other six players that i mentioned and and throw andres galarraga because all of all eight of those players have 399 home runs and over 1400 rbi and are not in the hall of fame for yeah. you know again if we we can exclude a couple of the Sammy Sosas and McGuire and all that. Well, but those is... guys, they're in that same group. And yeah. and I think you, you hear, I've heard all of those other names talked about as Hall of Famers. Canseco, Lesso, because it's like you said, just it's so obvious. Delgado, I don't really hear too much about. Was on the ballot, I think, for one year and was gone. Canerco, I think, has a, a fairly strong case. Was never a superstar, but had a very solid career. And I think Galarraga, again... When we look at 399 and 1400, he belongs in that group, and yet you don't hear his name being mentioned. And so if one or two of those guys in that group of those eight players that are being left out and being forgotten because they played in such you know, a, a demanding offensive position like first base, that if some of them start getting in uh, because the people start to realize, you know, the veterans committees realize, you know what, we, we – we're, we're docking points from these steroid guys. Well, what about these other guys that didn't have those same issues? Maybe we need to get one or two of those guys in. If that starts to happen, you might see Andres Galarraga in Cooperstown at some point in your life. Yeah, I, I think it'll take the combination of those two things. Because when you look at Delgado and McGriff's like baseline statistics, they, they're mm -hmm. almost identical. They have a few more home runs. Uh, they started a little bit earlier in their career, hit more home runs. Galarraga's a little bit more of a late bloomer, but then continued to bloom until he was like 42. So, you know, um, but yeah, like the baseline, like batting average, on-base percentage, slugging percentage, but the OPS plus and Warren stuff are about 10 points lower for Galarraga. And that's again, where I think we're going to need a, a, a better, deeper understanding of those statistics. But I, I think, yeah, all of that's going to help Man, Delgado should uh, uh, Fred McGriff definitely should be in the Hall of Fame. But it's weird that Delgado he only spent one year on the ballot. 
season like that's that ain't right that is kenny lofton one year didn't get five percent kenny lofton a guy who i think you go you can make a case for and so that's part of the issue right now is you know ml mlb and rather the bbwaa hall of fame you know they all kind of came together a little bit and said well instead of it being 15 years on the ballot we're going to make it 10 okay that's fine but then you can only vote for up to 10 well there's going to be more than 10 guys on the ballot. Go back and look, go to baseball reference and pick any year. Go out in 1964. Now, all of those guys that were on the 1964 ballot, they didn't all get in that year. They didn't even all of them get in eventually on you know the writer's vote. Some of them got in from veterans committee. But if you go back to almost any year, there's at least about 15 Hall of Famers on a ballot at one time, sometimes even more than that. Right. So We'll go into, you know, we'll get into our ballot again as, as part of our Hall of Fame week here that, that won't end until next Wednesday. So we still got a week left, baby. And we're, we're going to see that there's going to be 15 guys on here. Now, they might not necessarily get votes from us, and they it could be some, some questionable players. But even if you include some of those questionable guys, there's still 15-plus players right now that are on the ballot that we're going to hear about next Tuesday. And... Maybe one of them, two of them gets in this year, but they will eventually get in. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Some of these guys need to need to have deeper looks taken at, at their careers. And Can I give you another group? One of them. Yeah. Can I give you another group? All right. Barry Bonds, Raphael Palmero, uh-huh. Fred McGriff. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Nope, that's not the right list. Let me give you a different okay. list. Here we go. Here's our okay. list. It still doesn't start off any better. Raphael Palmero, Barry Bonds, Fred McGriff. Craig Biggio, Roberto Alomar, Cal Ripken, Steve Finley, Mark Grace, Andre Scalaraga. These nine players have over 2,200 games played from 1986 to 2004. Now, again, we talk about compiling and just being able to stick around in the game and how that can be a skill. And you go, yeah, but, you know, Jamie Moyer is 49 and he's not very good. Okay, okay, that's fine. That, that's a that's a singular case looking at him at 49. But being able to stick around and contribute at the major league level, as you can see from this list, over the course of 17 seasons, you've got bona fide Hall of Famers there. You've got, say what you will about Palmero and Bonds, their numbers are Hall of Fame worthy. Right. And you've got Steve Finley. Maybe there needs to be a conversation about him. Mark Grace is a guy that's forgotten about because he didn't play first base with as much power as a lot of other guys during that period of time. And then there you go. You've got Andres Galarraga, who missed a whole season, you know, again, right. again, due to, um, you know, some, some cancer situations that he had going on. So any, any, if you slice the pie in a bunch of different ways, you start to notice Andres Galarraga, maybe, maybe not at the top of the list, but you see him, you know, kind of sharing the same ground as a lot of other, you know, hallowed players. This is going to blow your mind. Andres Galarraga has about five times as many stolen bases as Cal Ripken Jr. How about that? What? Yes. The guy who played shortstop and redefined the position more for power than for speed. But Andres Galarraga, the big cat, went and stole about five times as many bases as Cal Ripken Jr. This is amazing. When he was 35 years old in Colorado in 1996, that year, he hit 47 home runs, leading the league, drove in a hit 150, leading the league, and he stole 18 bases. That's his career high. He stole 18 bases at age 35, and then 15 the next at year. At altitude. At Don't forget, 30, at altitude. altitude. Right. That's amazing. Let's see if Charlie Blackman could do that. Right? That, would, that, that could be somewhat of a record there to kind of prove what this guy was working with and how great he took care of his body. Totally. So, yeah, man, just uh, again, and, and the longevity you do, you should give a guy credit for longevity and being able to, especially as, as you mentioned, like there's a lot of guys like, look at how productive Ken Griffey Jr. was for the last seven years of his career. Look, mm-hmm. no one's a bigger fan. Well, that's probably not true. There are bigger fans. I really like Ken Griffey Jr. too, like everybody else, but uh, one of my favorite players of all time as a kid. Uh, but, you know, he, he really just kind of hung on for a while. Where Galarraga was right. still putting up great numbers in deep into his 30s. And as, even in his 40s, was, these, these numbers aren't just okay. They're great. Where do you think where do you think Galarraga stands all time in career RBI? Amongst the greatest. Babe Ruth, 
Lou Gehrig, Hank Aaron. Now I'm not cherry picking in a sense, 86 to 2004. Now I'm talking about all players, all time, career RBI total, Andre Scalaraga. Where is he? Somewhere in the 70s? Exactly, number 70. Very good. Really? Okay. And, and, when, and when, again, when you hear that, you go, whoa, 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 whoa. Of all the players, he was Ever. 70th. Yeah. 70th. Like, that's a little mind-blowing. Again, it, it was during a time in which there were more runs scored. But still, when you really start to kind of dig deeper and look at, you know, who his, his uh, you know, comrades were, who, who were the players from his era, you start to look and say, no, this guy can hang there. Again, he's, he's not a first battle Hall of Famer. He's not even a, uh, a guy that, you know, should maybe stick around for the full 10 years. Um, but he deserved a lot more than the, I don't know, 13 votes that he ended up getting on the ballot. It was, yeah. it was an incredibly small number, um, 22. He got 22 votes. So he was just under that 5% mark. He got 4%. And if he would, would have gotten only a handful more, he actually would have been uh, only the, the fourth, or at least at that time he would have been the third, Rockies player to ever make more than one ballot. It's yeah. been Dale Murphy, who we'll get to in a little bit, Larry Walker, of course. We now see Todd Helton doing it. And Andres Galarraga could have been the second. So if you're just going by percentage of, of Hall of Fame votes, Andres Galarraga is next on that list of guys you you may need to kind of think twice about and say, you know what, let's talk more about Andres Galarraga, not just as a Colorado Rocky, but as one of the all-time greats at his position. Yeah, he truly, truly was. And like I said, I, I hope that we can figure out a way to – measure defense better and maybe there will be a way to go back and figure out you know why the stories we hear about his defense uh, don't track at all with what some of these numbers say and if, if that becomes a big thing too i think we may have a better understanding of them so once again toast your breck brew or your strava craft coffee of the day to andres galarraga the big cat uh, a much better ball player than i think people realized and and really was a Truly a treat to get to watch him over the years. The big open stance. He's a great big guy. Great big smile. All of the stuff, man. He just, yeah, let's let's keep the conversation alive about Andres Galarraga. And if you're a, a long-term better, maybe DraftKings will let you go lay down a little bit of money. Don't know. Hey, look, Patrick Lyons says that at least by 2050, Andres Galarraga is going to be in the Hall of Fame. And I'd like to lay down a little bit of money. I, I said 50 I mean. years. Oh, okay. Your math is okay. slightly off. You you are living okay. in the year okay. two thousand. No, you're, right. you're right. You're right. You're right. I've hey, seen look. your I've seen your pajamas. You are stuck in the hey, year. Look. No, no. I gotta I gotta stay where it is. I gotta <laughs> I gotta be what's happening. Uh, <laughs> back in the day, as it were. But if you are a forward thinker, well, then you know that you can make a little bit of extra cash if you download that DraftKings Sportsbook app right now today, and they're hooking you up with a fun little promo right now if you're into the ufc or even if you're not because you can just throw down a couple of bucks you don't even necessarily have to watch the thing because you can win 257 dollars after betting just one dollar if mcgregor gets a knockout in the first round this weekend that's right just put a single dollar down we can you know you money you lose in the chain money you lose in the change no change you lose in the couch each week you lay that dollar down instead on mcgregor First round knockout, boom, $257 in your pocket. That simple. They're always hooking you up with fantastic deals and promotions like that over at DraftKings Sportsbook. It really is the place to do your betting. And I know you're all very confident about what's going to happen in sports, so put your money where your mouth is and download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up to turn that $1 into $257 if McGregor wins by a first-round knockout. Must be 21 or older. Colorado-only restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. If you happen to win enough money on that McGregor fight, you know, as uh, we're both fellow Irishmen, you've got a tattoo. I don't. So, you know, if someone out there wins enough money on, on the McGregor fight, I'm thinking, I think you got to go with a full chest tattoo that McGregor has, right. you know, or your own, you know? I think if so. someone's going to pay for it, you might as well take them up on that offer. Yeah, might as well do it. You might as well. well All right, well, I'm, I'm on a hot streak right now. Uh, first round of the playoffs, Bills, Browns, 
they got the job done. Last week, Tom Terrific got the job done. So we're going to go for four in a row here. And, man, I don't have anything to do with Bills Chiefs right now because yeah. it's kind of – Kind of, I'm kind of room for the Bills, yeah, but you know the Chiefs but, are probably going to get it done. Right, it's a weird lose lose situation. I think yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah, you don't want to be double hurt when the Chiefs win that that ball game. You don't want. Yeah, to. so I'm doubling down on Tom Terrific. Oh. Got to go Buccaneers to win it oh, no. outright. I don't need the I don't need the three and a half points. That's where the lines at. If you want to do that, go for it. But my DraftKings sportsbook pick of the week is going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers getting it done. For the second week in a row. Right now it's at plus 155. He's going back to the Super Bowl. He's doing it in the NFC. Ugh. It's about Tom Brady, not Bill Belichick. Different story. We got him at 42 years old with a quarterback that's going to be either 25 or 24. It's going to be uh, terrible. Do your quick math. 17-year age difference between quarterbacks once Tom Brady gets it done. That's my DraftKings Sportsbook pick of the week. Lock it in. I'm going four for four in the NFL playoffs after staying away from it almost all season long. I'm ready now. I'm hot. Right. Okay. All right. I'll do it, but I'm not going to be happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a win-win, right? Because either right, Brady totally. does it, cha-ching, or Aaron Rodgers does it, and you go, oh, thank God it wasn't Tom Brady. Uh, hey, yeah, hey. Come on. I know. No, it's, it's perfect. It's perfect. I love it. Love the strategy. All right, Patrick, let's talk about a few of these other guys who are Rockies-ish or Rockies-adjacent, <laughs> at least, uh, who have cases. Again, some of these guys, it's like, I don't know how. I'm mad about uh, Fred McGriff now, by the way. You, you I got you all torqued up, huh? Crime dog. <laughs> what happened? Yeah. And that makes It makes no sense. Again, some of it has to do with the That's circumstances bad. with guys yeah. being on the ballot and you know taking attention away. But, you know, the, the interesting thing is, and, you know, this, this will be something I think people will go back and listen to in a couple years' time or maybe even longer than that. Because, again, we're, we just, you know, came out of the dark ages here in Colorado baseball as far as legends, right? Like, team was around for 27, 28 years. No Hall of Famers. Now there's one. Uh, finally, there's one. You know, every every team has a handful of guys. You go to Cooperstown, they're selling merchandise with all these Padres guys, and you're like, oh, my, I didn't even remember this guy played for this team for a minute. And you're like, Greg Maddox? All right, sure. Throw him on a Padres T-shirt because he played with the Padres. And sure. every franchise has that, except the Rockies right now. But there's a time in another 25 years where we could be looking at six or seven players who have spent time at one point with the Rockies. Certainly we know Todd Helton is going to get in. Stay tuned on Thursday. We're going to have Michaela back celebrating Todd Helton for Todd Helton Day, if you will. Yeah. Uh, we know Nolan Arenado is is going to be ticketed for the Hall of Fame at some point. That's three guys. Andres Galarraga, maybe. We got three more here in just a moment that we're going to get to. And so I think it really could, in another 25 years, the next generation, they're going to come up really understanding how rich the baseball history is here in Colorado. And anyone listening to this podcast already knows that, yeah. uh, I, I strongly feel. But we've got a couple guys that, again, they, they spent a year or less with Colorado. But nevertheless, they are guys that, you know, if you go to Cooperstown, at some point you're going to see Colorado next to their name, whereas right now they're still none because Larry Walker doesn't have his plaque up just yet. So that means something. That's got value. Hey, right. mom, dad. Who's Dale Murphy? And he played for the Rockies? Tell me about this guy. Technically? Technically, yes. Dude he was did. picked up. He was holding he, on. Another yeah, guy looking cool. to try to get his 400th home run, much like Galarraga did with the uh, the old Anaheim Angels, as it were, at the time. Couldn't get it done. And, and Murphy was picked up, I think, pretty much like at the end of spring training. And from everything I heard, I, I recently um, heard a cool story from Jack Edkin where he talked about, you know, the, the day it was just kind of done. And, and his, 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 you know, two-month excursion with the Rockies, his brand-new team, you know, was over. And he, he hadn't made any real strong connections. Yet, on his way out, you know, he let Jack know, hey, can you get Tracy? I want to say goodbye to him. Like, he, he went out of his way to, to be a good guy and say good, you know, 
parting uh, farewells to all his teammates and people in the media. And, you know, that's the kind of kind of life he still leads now, uh, post-playing career. He's done a lot of wonderful things. But Dale Murphy won back-to-back MVPs as a center fielder. Um, there's, there's about 10 or 11 guys who have ever done that. And virtually all of them, except Roger Maris, is in the Hall of Fame. Barry Bonds, eh, okay, we know he he'll get there eventually or, or should be there or shouldn't be. Regardless, I think we know what the resume says for better or for worse. If we're focusing sure. on the better, Dale Murphy is in elite class with Lou Gehrig, Yogi Berra, Ernie Banks, Michael Schmidt, Michael Jack Schmidt, excuse me, <laughs> um, for winning back-to-back MVPs. And Murphy was on the ballot for all 15 years. He stayed on a ballot. Like that tells you something, right? Not, not just me manipulating the numbers a little bit to show you where Andre Scalaraga ranks in his class. No, this is the writers every year making sure that he gets at least 5% of the vote. And he's a guy that, you know, his time in Colorado was incredibly short and there was a lot of excitement built around him when he first came as maybe being the first star of the team didn't work out, but nevertheless, you know, he's a Colorado Rocky. Yeah. And an original. Original. So yeah, it's a, it is a fun little story. And yeah, his numbers are remarkably similar to Galarraga's with the 265 career batting average, 346 on base, 469. None of those quite as good as Galarraga's, but the OPS plus being 121 again, being better, um, him being ranked better defensively. So yeah, they're very similar players in terms of at least the offensive profile where. Murphy obviously seen as as the better defender, um, but it is funny to see the difference between Galarraga going out after the first ballot and Dale right. Murphy hanging on for fifteen years. And mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I would agree. I'm not I'm not I'm not sure looking over it that Dale Murphy necessarily belongs in the Hall of Fame, but certainly he deserved to be on the ballot for all of those years. And and I would say the same thing of Galarraga, and that's one of the reasons why people get. Very frustrated with the national media around these parts because there's a lot of those types of stories of like, it's it's not that Galarraga should have been MVP. The same way it's not that Kyle Freeland should have been Cy Young in 2018, right? It's that he should have come in second, not fourth, second. That's what that's where he was the second best pitcher in the National League. And we should be able to say that definitively, but we can't. So we should be able to say, as Patrick was saying earlier, definitively, Andres Galarraga is only the third member of this entire organization to have made it into multiple ballots in the Hall of Fame. That should be a fact, and it's frustrating that it isn't. Uh, For sure, and, yeah. and and if we're talking about first, and I you know I already kind of mentioned the fact of you know seeing Colorado on on a plaque in that that great hall in Cooperstown, Murphy was the first Rockies player on a Hall of Fame ballot. Which right. again, maybe it's a a useless piece of trivia, but you say, well, who was the first guy that wore purple that got on a Hall of Fame ballot? It was Dale Murphy. And no one's going to remember the second one, Bruce Hurst. Yeah. Uh, after that, it was Howard Johnson. And then after that, with this, through a kind of a special committee, uh, Daryl Kyle got on in, in 2003. Um, 2006 was Walt Weiss. And so here we are all the way, you know, uh, almost 15 years into their, you know, their lifespan. And there's only been a handful of Rockies even to make a ballot, which, which is something, you know, to be – you know, praise about like a lot of guys, they, they're completely flattered. We see it now with social media guys, you know, posting like, Oh my God, I'm on a ballot. Like that's it. I don't care. Latroy Hawkins was on a ballot. Like we all know he's not a hall of famer. Right. Uh, we know he was, he was very good, but there's plenty of very good ball players that never even, you know, sniff the, the a hall of fame ballot. And there's plenty, the, the Rockies organization is, is scattered with all those guys who had really solid careers and were really good for the Rockies, but yet they don't even make a ballot. So right. You know, just doing that is is pretty impressive. Um, and yeah, so that that takes us to the next guy in 2007, Brett Saberhagen. Bit of a flop in 1995. Yeah. Uh, they get him from the Mets, but much like with Dale Murphy, who again back to back MVPs, Brett Saberhagen has two Cy Young awards. Yeah. Uh, he's also 40th according to Jaws a statistic we talk about a lot when talking about Hall of Fame qualification. Right. So he's the 40th best pitcher of all time, according to this metric. 
Um, and for players that have won multiple Cy Young awards, excluding Roger Clemens, it's only Denny McLean and Johan Santana who are not in the Hall of Fame of eligible players. So, again, you could, you know, to win one is still impressive. Doesn't mean you're Hall of Famer, but that's pretty darn impressive. Uh, and then you've got a few other guys who've yet to make a ballot. Tim Lincecum, uh, that'll be an interesting debate when it comes around to it. Uh, we saw Jacob deGrom do it uh, in 18 and 19. Corey Kluber got his second, you know, maybe, maybe not a Hall of Famer. But as we're looking at right now, Brett Saberhagen is, is in a group of folks that typically gets into the Hall of Fame. And he's not there now, but give it some time. And I think a veterans committee will eventually realize, you know, this was one of the best you know, pitchers of his generation throughout much of the eighties and, and part of the early nineties. Yeah. And he's another one who should just, uh, I think he should probably be in actually, as I just kind of look over his you know, career, 126 ERA plus uh, career 58.9 war from baseball reference. I mean, that's, yeah. that's right. It's pretty standard hall of fame stuff right there. It's not, no, it's it's not the greatest pitchers of all time. Like you said, it's the fortieth greatest pitcher of all time, and that's still <laughs> like <laughs> you you get credit for that. You should, yeah. That Saberhagen, yeah, that needs to be revisited as well. It does, and if you even go back and and look at some of the guys that were on that um, ninety nine ballot with with Dale Murphy, and Again, there there are players that aren't in the Hall of Fame right now. As I said, there's probably about 15 on every single ballot. And if you go and look, Nolan Ryan, George Brett, Robin Yount, they all made it in on their first ballot. Fisk made it the next year on his second ballot. Tony Perez, Gary Carter eventually made it in. Jim Rice, Bruce Suter, uh, Burt Blylevin, all these guys eventually made it into the Hall of Fame. Even though Burt Blylevin, in his second year, got 14% of the vote. Pretty darn low. But eventually yeah. got in. Steve Garvey, still waiting for that information. Uh, but he was seventh. So he had even more votes than Jim Rice and Bruce Suter. Jim yeah. Cott was 10th. Dale Murphy, 11th. Tommy John, 12th. He didn't invent the surgery, but <laughs> his doctor did. Right. Um, and I think eventually we could see Tommy John getting the Hall of Fame. The Rattlesnake, Dave Parker, was 13th. Yeah. Minnie Minoso, we talked about recently. Yeah. Uh, then you had Blylevin, Dave Concepcion, Luis Tiant, Keith Hernandez. There's been a case made for him. And then for that, it kind of falls off a little bit. But again, don't be shocked if in 20, 25 years' time, a lot of those guys from that 99 ballot make it to the Hall of Fame like Dale Murphy. And the same thing with, with Galarraga's 2010 ballot. He very well could get in at some point. Patrick, I don't know what's going on with weird statistics stuff today. We'll, we'll share the other part that you and I have been talking about throughout the day for another time for the listeners. But for the third time today, we see the number – 399 ball mm. players stuck on 399 and Brett Saberhagen pitched in 399 games. Didn't quite get to a 400th baseball mm. game, but a career uh, 334 ERA pitching in almost 400 baseball games in his career. Come on. Yeah. Patrick's oh. prognostication. Save this because it's going to be worth something someday. The 399th player into the Baseball Hall of Fame will either be Andres Galarraga or Brett Saberhagen. Wow. How about that? I don't know what that would be worth on DraftKings. To, or to who pinpoint. was the other guy? Was Delgado stuck on 399? Or was that? No, I think he, was a little, he might have been a little bit above. Or so. Yeah, yeah. Somebody else was on. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So, fantastic. Yeah, I'm going to have to take the bets on this. The final guy I want to mention, and, you know, uh, Dwight Evans was a hitting coach with the Rockies for a year. He's a guy, he was on that 99 ballot, didn't get 5%, but had a, a pretty storied career. Don Zimmer, you know, a lifelong, you know, Rockies, or not Rockies, lifelong baseball guy, mm -hmm. right? Baseball lifer, was a was a Rockies coach yeah. for a hot minute. I think even that, that 93 season. Nice. So, um, you know, those are some 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 guys that wore the purple that you could say, oh, maybe, maybe those guys get in. Um, and, and just to finish up the list of of players who have even made the Hall of Fame ballot, which is which is something to to cherish and 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 to Absolutely. think that that I'm you know I've I, I at least have a ticket, right? The the flight might be full, but shoot, I I was on the I was on the boarding list to maybe totally. if someone gets bumped off, maybe. Um, but also right. in 2007, where we picked up with Saberhagen was Dante Bichette, Ron Gant, 
No votes for Rungan. Uh, Greg Vaughn, no votes for Greg Vaughn. Very short time. I barely remembered either of those guys were a Rockies player. Right, right. Very short amount of time. Uh, Ellis Burks, two yep. votes. Two? Again, two. Yeah. Two. Uh, yeah. Again, he's not Ridiculous. a Hall of Famer, but he deserves more than two. Like, yeah. I'd say. Deserves longer consideration. I would even say this guy deserves at least two votes. Todd Zeal, he got none. He's not a Hall of Famer, but, no, but he's got to have two people in the press that can throw him a vote. The thing. Yeah. Uh, Lenny Harris. How about Lenny Harris in 2011? <laughs> right? Uh, we got Charles Johnson in 2011. Vinny Castilla, six votes. Hey. Okay. Got a little love there. Something. Eric Young Sr., one vote. Hey, out of baby. Thank you, Tracy Ringlesby. Right. Uh, no, we don't. We don't know who voted. <laughs> we, have, we have no idea. Should be at least, at least that. Jeremy Burnett's no votes. Yeah. Tony Womack, no votes. Interesting. We've got uh, Sandy Alomar Jr. Remember him? Yeah. Briefly yeah. from the 2002 season, got 16 votes. Yeah. Uh, I I think he's a guy. He should have gotten more than one. Yeah. yeah, he he probably should have been at least more than one vote. He could be a guy that you might eventually make the case for. Again, with catchers, it's never really about the numbers; it's their contributions to the game, and you know the amount of All Star uh, appearances you make. Uh, you know him leading that Cleveland team in the '90s, right. fantastic. Steve Finley, how many votes do you think he got? Three. You are good at this game. Four. No. You are right okay. there. <laughs> Just, yeah. But still good. I mean, I don't care like if you nailed it. Three or four it. vote kind of guy. I love. You got it. I'm I'm giving you that okay. one. That you you earned it. Uh, how about Jeff Cirillo? How many votes he get? Zero. Correct. Uh, but he was on the ballot in 2013. Royce Clayton. No See, votes. Yeah. Jose Mesa. No votes. Todd Walker. No votes. All in 2013. But again, on the ballot. On the ballot. Uh, and then wrapping it up, we've got. Uh, Todd Jones, again, one year at the Rockies. A lot of these guys came around in the early 2000s for like a cup of coffee uh, and, and a couple couple million dollars, but uh, he did not get any votes. Mike Hampton. Mike Hampton, how many votes do you think he got? Zero, right? Yes. I would have guessed more than that, though, to be honest. I mean. Maybe. Some he friends. He was pretty good in Atlanta. But he was very, yeah. He was ever Houston, he was very good. Okay. He just yeah. fizzled out. Uh, Melvin Mora made it onto a Hall of Fame ballot. Why? <laughs> that he's probably the least uh, okay. suitable one on that list. Pro- he's probably the lowest man on the totem pole. But again, it goes to show you not everybody. Uh, we were talking about this beforehand. Aaron yeah. Cook. How does yeah, Aaron Cook that, not even just make the ballot? Melvin Mora did. That one bothers me. Uh, that one actually, yeah, that one actually yeah, legitimately. I get that bothers me especially when you read off some of these other names where i'm like jose mesa and todd jones and melvin mora got onto a ballot and aaron cook never did like i i think aaron cook deserves uh a vote or two again not to be a hall of famer not even necessarily to make it to the second ballot like we're saying you know there's all these different layers galarraga at least deserved two or three or four or five ballots in my estimation but maybe not necessarily to make it aaron cook especially when you uh you really do do a deep dive on his career. Um, it, it, yeah, the guy was. I hope De La Rosa when his when his time. How many? Because when did he actually lay some up? Yeah, he he might comes he might be about twenty twenty six. Yeah, he may so, have a way to go. But with with Aaron Cook, I think it's just again sometimes the the ballot gets really cluttered with guys. Like think about it. Bonds and Schilling, yep. uh, Sosa, like all those guys. You go, well, yeah, they're Hall of Famers, but we got to figure out how we can get them in. Totally. So they're just taking up space for guys like an Aaron Cook to get on. Unfortunately, again, who we know is not getting in the Hall of Fame, who we know is probably getting zero votes, but still to make the ballot. Like everyone listening to this is probably going to get in at bat in the big leagues. What? To get right. an at-bat. Right. Well, after you've gotten that bat you want to be a regular. After you become a regular, you want to be an all-star. After you're an all-star, again, you just want to have a really solid career where people will remember you. You're, how can you be remembered more than at least being on the ballot for the writers who watch this game as their profession to say, is this guy even worthy enough? If you're not on the ballot, you're not even in the conversation. Um, in 2018, we're almost done here. Levon Hernandez, one vote. Oh. Kevin Millwood, no votes. And Jamie Moyer, Jamie Moyer did not get 5% of the vote. Again, we know he was not any superstar ace, but the guy did some things. 
in the game, late career blossomed. Um, but I, again, I think he could be a guy that I'd have to look a little bit deeper. Definitely not a, oh yeah, he's a hall of famer, but it's worth my time to go and double check how close he could be like an Andre Scalaraga, like we're talking about today. Um, 2019 Roy Oswalt, four votes, John Garland. Remember him? I do. Uh, Darren Oliver. Remember him? No votes. And Drew, you're sitting down. I mean, I can see that you are, but I, I'm prefacing this by saying Juan Pierre, no votes. No votes. But on the ballot. But on, on the, the ballot. ballot. That's so dope. On the ballot. That's an honor, and and he deserves that. For his time spent in the game, for all those years where he played every single game, for yeah. being a key contributor to a Marlins team that won the World Series, no, that doesn't get you into the Hall of Fame. It gets you on the ballot. And it should. So that's, yes, good. Juan Pierre Belonga. Yeah. And yes, I would have voted for him if I had my vote. Yes, I would have. Those Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. So the trivia question is, again, I'm trying to get you guys some free beers when you go out to the DNVR bar and you want to make some bets. Which of these three players, and you can pick more than one, which of these three players was on a Hall of Fame ballot? Brad Hopp, Garrett Atkins, or Melvin Mora? You will win a free beer every time because no one's going to pick just Melvin Moore. Yeah, exactly. Right. You're That's welcome. so utterly bizarre. All right. Final guy, just to bring up very briefly, awful time in Colorado, probably worse than, than, than the other two. Worse than the other two. And those other two guys didn't even last a whole season. Uh, it would be manager Jim Leland. Uh, did not oh, have a very good season. No, no, uh, he was he was pretty bad in in his his one year, but the guy all time uh, wins seventeenth, seventeenth um, most wins with uh, one thousand seven hundred sixty nine, uh, more wins and not in the Hall of Fame ahead of him. Lou Pinella probably will get in. Dusty Baker just needs to retire. He'll eventually get in. Bruce Bochy just retired. He'll get in. And Gene Mock. So all those guys. How about playoff and postseason wins? 44, tied for fourth. Not bad. And playoff wins, eight playoff wins during his time with Pittsburgh, won a World Series with the Marlins, uh, also went to two World Series with the Detroit Tigers. So he's tied for ninth in just playoff appearances. Again, a lot of that has to do with expanded playoffs, uh, going with the wild card and all that. But still, nevertheless, he's a guy that you will eventually see. I have no doubt you'll see him in the Hall of Fame at some point. Yeah, I think that's right. Um... I think so. The other one I wanted to ask you about was uh, kind of in a similar category of people looking back on and and maybe a different lens and different framing is Don Baylor. If you think maybe there will be some sort of revisit if Don Baylor could be put into the Hall of Fame. And then looking forward, obviously, I think he's still got several years managing. But Bud Black, I think, is a is probably a Hall of Famer and, you know, of of these guys who are kind of, we mentioned Don Zimmer or Jim Leland or these guys who kind of came in and hung out for like a year and it was bad, and then, but they might get into the Hall of Fame because their accomplishments elsewhere. Bud Black, I think, is going to go into the Hall of Fame and, you know, his time in Colorado will be a, a large chunk of the story. And even, you know, the, 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 what they did with the young pitching and going back to back, we'll see that the story is yet untold. But obviously, you know, his time in San Diego is much longer and a much bigger part of the story. Uh, but it ain't nothing, and it certainly isn't thought of negatively by too many people. There, Bud Black has his detractors, like any any manager or coach does. But so, yeah, what do you think of those two? I, I think there could be a point in the Hall of Fame's future where they start to look to, you know, enshrine some some of the older folks that, again, maybe only the baseball hardcores are interested in adding. But these again, these baseball lifers, guys who contributed for the betterment of the game. There's no statistics that you can break down that will say, hey, here's why this guy was the greatest of his generation in this area. Because we typically think of it as as a player. And once in a while, there's an executive that you go, well, yeah, I know the name George Steinbrenner. He's a Hall of Famer, which he's not yet. He may eventually get in. Um, and again, just because he gets enshrined, I don't think you know there's going to be 50,000 people showing up in the lawn in, in Cooperstown to be like, oh, we've got to see this old guy who's been deceased for 20 years in trying. So it's not going to be about, you know, you know, the, the numbers and, and the money 
that's going to bring to the Hall of Fame. But I think it could be, again, something your, your contributions to the game of baseball, like a Don Zimmer, like possibly a, a Don Baylor, who had a, had a very good above average career, you know, did a nice job as a, as a coach and a manager. Well, in, in each separate compartment, it's not enough. But if you kind of if you can combine those things together, well, now maybe you've got something. Baylor much more so than than Black. At least, at least maybe slightly more balanced. It's strange because I think Baylor had the better career than Black, but Black I think has had the better you know done a better job as a manager than Baylor has too. Right. Um, so you know if if you start looking at again your contributions to the game, I mean, there's a guy I, I don't think he has very good numbers, and he played maybe in the late 1800s. I was just reading something about him. His name is Bobby Wallace who I didn't know the name and not an NASCAR driver, but Bobby Walls. And he's almost essentially in the hall of fame because he invented the crow hop. Like there was a time in the game where guys would catch a ground ball. They would stand erect upright and then throw over to first base. And he eventually said, let's make it more of a fluid motion here. And so he invented something yeah, within the game. And so I think you could have guys who, again, have contributed to the game, contributed to the that's sport that I can't be measured in numbers. That's why I would have thrown a vote at Jamie Moyer if I had had a yeah. vote back then. And it's not like, and again, like it, it might sound weird and, and we'll get into, you know, deeper into the philosophies. If you're wondering what's, you know, the rest of the week have to do, this is going to be stuff like this talking about, you know, does it make sense to vote for a guy for a year or two and then not vote for him anymore because you don't think that he actually belongs in the hall of fame, but you believe that he belongs in the conversation or on the ballot or whatever it, it may be. And, you know, especially as I, I look at the ballot right now, I see several guys who I think of in that category. I'm like, would I spend one of my 10 votes on that guy? And, and if not, that's the reason for like you're talking about, whether it's veterans committees or some of these other things that come together and say, no, we get why nobody would necessarily vote and say this guy belonged in the Hall of Fame. But now that we look at his overall contributions, like you said, and with Bud Black, you can go back to, like like you said, kind of his time as a player. Then he had, you know, time as a coach winning a World Series as a pitching coach in uh, with the Angels. Uh, then all the time in, in San Diego and then in Colorado. And who knows how much longer he may manage. But it's just that he's been around the game so long and everyone in baseball loves him that, like, yeah, did, he has won the World Series or had deep postseason runs or I think he still has a losing record overall in his career, stuff like that. But it's like, yeah, but who doesn't love Bud Black? <laughs> like, right? Like, so come on. There's got to be a plaque for that somewhere. But yeah, it'll be it'll, it'll be fascinating to see how the, the, the hall itself evolves, right? Yeah, and for anyone who thinks that, oh, if you didn't get, if you got less than 5% and you're off the ballot, like, very clearly you're not a hall of famer well this past year the veterans committee voted in ted simmons 1994 go back and look he got like three and a half percent of the vote didn't get in and his first ballot was off immediately like an afterthought like a kenny lofton like jamie moyer you know like a, a couple of these guys we mentioned andre scalaraga and you go all right well clearly he's not well no do your homework that's what we say about uh, anyone voting for anything again we're we love being critical to to uh you know the the writers of of america the bbwaa uh we're, we don't have to necessarily be critical of each other because we all have our own opinions and whatnot but if you're not going out there and 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 doing your research and doing your homework and finding out what's most important then you know you're, you're not doing your job and i think just by looking and saying well hey you got less than five percent i'm not even going to bother looking at it look into it look into it and and again for, for nothing better than at least having a fun conversation again, next time you're at the DNVR bar to, to just talk about this stuff and go, Hey, I got something I bet you didn't know, or I got, I'm going to make you think for a second about a guy that was off the ballot or didn't get any votes. And why I think he was a much better player than you probably remember or was given credit for. So go back and don't just think, well, if it means this, it means, it means everything else. Cause that's definitely not the case here as, as we've seen for specifically the big cat, Andres Galarraga. Right. So go forth and spread the gospel of Galarraga and Fred McGriff and Carlos Delgado and a lot of these guys because, yeah, man, uh, it's a, it's also an era in baseball that it can be difficult to talk about and discern and to feel good or feel great about. It was a weird time for a lot of us, and I get it, but a lot, I think a lot of these guys just got lost in the haze and the mix of all of that, and that's really too bad. So we got to go back, uh, got to sing to the hills let people know let us know who you think that we talked about today is the biggest snub 
in terms of the Hall of Fame? Is it Dale Murphy or Brett Saberhagen? Or uh, do you think there's a stronger case to be made for guys like Galarraga? Fred McGriff, I'm still mad about. Just let us know. And uh, it, let us know if you think Don Baylor or Bud Black will end up in. Uh, who will be the next, after Todd Helton, who will be the next Colorado Rockies Hall of Famer? Will there be some executive or person related who gets in before Nolan Arenado has a shot? Let us know. Like we've been saying, it's Hall of Fame week. Really into next week, we're going to be doing a lot more of this. You got to join us for the DFA show tomorrow on Wednesday. Special guest, how about this? The voice of your Colorado Rockies on television, Mr. Drew Goodman, host of the Drew Goodman podcast. Uh, they're doing fantastic work over there. They're going to come and talk to us a little bit about Larry Walker, Todd Helton, the current Hall of Fame ballot, all this stuff. Going to be continuing to celebrate it. Going to have a great time. So you got to make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel. That you click like and you go there, hang out, send us comments, any questions you've got for Drew Goodman when it comes to you know the Hall of Fame ballot. Let us know. Let him know. If you leave him there in the comment section on YouTube, you can actually go early. We usually put those things up earlier in the day. We'll make sure it's up there for you. You can go and hang out, chat with each other, or just leave us questions So, because we'll see them. As soon as we get there, they'll all be waiting for us. If you leave them in the YouTube chat section. So if you've got questions for us or more likely for Drew Goodman when it comes to uh, his priorities or, you know, whatever he would think when it comes to the Hall of Fame, what a Hall of Famer means to him. And obviously, we'll talk about Helton and Walker. So uh, share all of that with us. Ask us all of your questions. Way to do that is to make sure you're subscribed to YouTube. Also, you've got to follow us on social media at Drew Creaseman, at Patrick D. Lyons, at DNVR underscore Rockies. And you got to subscribe to the DNVR.com so you don't miss out on any of that written content. Plus, you get discounts on hats and shirts and masks, a bigger beer when you come down to the DNVR bar for one of our watch parties. And you get to hang out in our chat room discord channel where we talk about all kinds of stuff whether it's non-stop baseball talk always going on in there or tv movies whatever star wars hiking skiing and snowboarding pro wrestling we've got a lot of people coming in had a spirited conversation about gold dust the other day and hey hour six minutes we hadn't got one in yet so throw a gold dust reference everyone's way so uh, thank you all for continuing to be absolutely awesome out there. I promise you that we will continue to be absolutely Patrick Lyons and Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, we will see you at the ballpark.